0: There were goals, red cards and last-minute winners across the National League this weekend as Wrexham hit six of the best against the struggling Torquay United side. Dagenham and Barnett played out a sensational nine-goal thriller with Dagenham coming out on the winning side. It wasn't to be first-game delight for David Unsworth his Oldham Athletic side trudged their way through a 3-0 defeat away to Bromley, what does that mean for the Latics going forward and does it give Unsworth the mandate to bring in some of his own players? Well he's already started with John Rooney but will more be coming through the door before they welcome Wrexham at Boundary Park on Saturday. We cover all of this weekend's National League results from top to bottom and we're once again discussing streaming in the fifth tier, whether or not it's the right plan and should Wrexham be getting so unsettled at the National League taking their time. There is good news from the National League at least, as the highlights embargo has been lifted. Plenty of discussion from me, Amos Murphy, your host for today's non-league podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk as I'm joined by Will and Joel to discuss all of the talking points from the National League. Delighted, as always, to be joined by two regular guests. I've got Will. Will, how are you doing, mate?
1: I'm good, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, and Joel, welcome back, mate. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Um, two wins in a row for us on each weekend, so um, I'll do my best Nigel Farage impression. You look well right for now, are you?
0: <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, right, OK, we're going to start the race course ground because quite an eventful football match. Um, when I was there, I was covering it for Non-League Daily. Wrexham 6, Torquay United 0. Um, three goals in either half. And and for those who just see the highlights, I suppose it will look like another absolute Wrexham blitz. But while Wrexham were, were worthy winners, it was a little bit strange because Torquay possibly, they maybe uh, deserve to concede six, but they didn't uh, deserve not to score, if that makes sense. Um, Joel, I, I, you saw the scoreline and, and I presume your, your heart drops out of your mouth. Absolutely terrifying result when I tell you that Wrexham aren't playing at the best and they're winning 6 nil, But talk you did take it to them and possibly on another day could have scored a couple of goals.
2: Well, if anything, that's even more impressive than if the 6 nil was justified because it shows their efficiency at taking their opportunities, mm. Mark White, Dorkin, I just said a similar thing when, um, when his side got beaten five 0 by Wrexham, He said, "You might think I'm mental, but we genuinely had massive spells in the game, and um, yeah. we, we think we should we should have come away with something." But I suppose that's that's what Ruxham are like, and when you've got talent like Elliot Lee on the bench, as we've alluded to before, mm. it's just it's unprecedented.
0: Yeah, it, it was mental, to be honest. Um, they were 4-0 up and, and the are bringing on Elliot Lee and, and Sam Dalby. And, and it was Dalby who, who got his first goal. It, in the stadium, you could tell it was one of those afternoons where... That it felt like a little bit of a box-ticking exercise for a couple of players. Obviously, Dalby came on, Ford got on the score sheet as well. Palmer and Mullin, of course, as the as the most often do uh, each weekend scoring as well. But but well, that is a as big a statement as you can imagine. And they're absolutely flying at the moment. While they're not in the top for a moment, they were because obviously Chesterfield scored late on. But they're they're really enjoying the football. And, and since that defeat to Chesterfield, they've gone unbeaten and and they're looking imperious.
1: Well, I think the most scary thing is, you you know the chant who put the ball in the something net off the, yeah. the team did off the team yeah. actually did it literally. Yeah, it's, it's different scorers, which shows the depth that they've got all around the pitch. And I mean, <clears throat> the most impressive goal for me was Aaron Haydens because he just absolutely got up on them, bang mm, it, into, yeah. into the top corner, and he's got a knack for that as well. He scored a couple this season. He's a really good defender, and he's the sort of player which is is going to. Be absolutely massive to keep fit. If Rex and are gonna, you know, go up and just just for the subs to come on and score as well, it just it just felt like there was no sort of remorse shown towards well as Talky. Who, by the way, if, if if you look at all the sort of stats that people provide for the national league, there's like a little corner where it says like weak weak attack, weak defence. At the moment, that's Torquay, You know, mm. there's not really much you can say other than. They completely deserve to be where they are. And that's no sort of disrespect to Torquay. That's just the way it is. And, you know, their, their fans know that as well, right? There's no showing away from this. They've had two really good seasons in the National League. And now, all of a sudden, it's just all gone massively, massively wrong. And you wonder, how do they pick that up?
0: Mm yeah it's the it's the biggest playoff final hangover of all time really isn't it because they showed signs of it last year actually and and um people were expecting them to not necessarily compete again, but not be where they were in sort of mid-table mediocrity. And then, obviously, this season, what, 10 games in, the bottom of the table, an absolutely huge already, massive, massive game against Scunthorpe at the weekend, something Gary Johnson alluded to. A um, little bit of trouble for Wrexham, the the only sort of flaw in the performance, Joel. Jacob Mendy hobbling off with a what looked like a pretty nasty injury. Not sure on, on any updates yet, but... The, you feel as though their only issue this season will be players like Mendy, Mullen, Davis getting injured. If they do, then their chances are significantly weakened just because of the quality of the players.
2: I suppose, although the luxury Wrexham have that not many other teams do, if any, is that, you know, Jacob Mendy gets injured, all of a sudden Callum McFadden comes in, who would ordinarily be the best left-back in the division anyway. So, Wrexham do have that... Luxury, as I said, of having so much quality in the reserves, just waiting for their opportunity. And that's why Wrexham are getting the results they are, because they've got so much strength in depth. It's just unheard of.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is it is like you say unprecedented. That's certainly the word you used to describe it. Um, I mentioned that they went top momentarily and it and it literally was six minutes or so because Chesterfield found a winner at the depth against uh, against Maystone. Um that is speaking of champions, Will, that is the the sort of the catalogue textbook tag you'd give to a that's what champions do really isn't it 1-1 having conceded late 94th minute old acre, who's been fantastic for them so far this season a, prop, a fan's favourite already pops up in the 94th minute with a winning goal that that is a place like Maystone where, where teams have gone and scored hatfuls getting the three points I suppose is the most important thing in that situation
1: well, it's absolutely gutting for Maystone isn't it because they're a team mm. that wears their heart on their sleeve that they really go out there and sort of Give it their all. They're not the best technical team in the league, or the the most physical team in the league, and they're they're seconds away from one or draw. I think it was actually ten seconds away, and Mm. Oldacre pops up. What a sign that has been, by the way. I mean, Mm. obviously, you watched Dorking bunch of amateurs, and you saw how good Oldacre have been in that, and I I saw it, and I was like, you know, I I fancy Oldacre. You know, Mm. if if he and then when he left Dorking, I was like, yeah, he's getting a good move, isn't he? Maybe not League Two because he's playing the Conference South, but you can see the quality there. He, he's a real sort of stuff. And for him to pop up in the 94th minute and get that winner is absolutely massive for Chesterfield because they're, they're going to absolutely need every point they can in this division because of how good Wrexham are going. And, you know, Wrexham is the sort of team that could put 10 wins together, and Chesterfield have got to match that, and Notts mm. County have got to match that. It's going to be a really, really interesting title fight.
0: Yeah, it really isn't. And like I said, 10 games ended shaping up nicely. Um, Joel, it, it's been a couple of times in the last sort of, what, three weeks or so, we've said this about Chesterfield, that the the grinding out results, the finding ways to win, I'm thinking 2-1 against Old when they weren't at the best. I'm thinking 3-2 against South End and, and then obviously 2-1 against Maidstone. Is that... An issue, do you think, because they're not having the performances like Wrexham are, you know, blowing teams away five nil, six nil, four nil. Or at the end of the day, is it if if you win every single game one nil, I suppose you still get more points than the opposition, then then you're gonna win the league. You know, do they need a statement? When do you think to real really sort of cement their their identity, their challenge, or or, or is it something that Paul Cup probably thinks, you know, what I don't care, I don't really care about that.
2: You get the impression with Chesterfield that a big win is just around the corner. And if you look at the players they've had out, you know, Shamanga has been out for the vast majority of the season. Um, Armando Dobras missed a little bit now. So they've never really had the situation whereby their best players are in the team Mm. together. When that happens, then it'll be scary because they're unbeaten already and they've had a lot of adversity to overcome. So... What will please the most about Saturday? Sometimes you have days where the performance isn't great. They've already had that a couple of times a season. I'm thinking when they scraped past Aldershot, when they um, got a draw at Yeovil but equalised in the last minute. It's all about spirit in those situations. And that is, if anything, what you associate with champions and teams who end Mm. up more than the performance levels. The goal itself was just pure quality. I mean, in the 95th minute, for Joe Quigley to take the ball down the way he did shape inside so casually, play it to Old Acre who just side-foots it. You know, most teams you'd see that gets blazed over the bar because of the desperation of the situation. They kept calm and that's one of the best traits that you can say about this Chesterfield side for sure.
0: Yes, certainly. And and uh, Joe Quigley again, I've said it a number of times, but it's really nice to see him in find form at Chesterfield. He, I'm not suggesting he was, used, he was used as a scapegoat, but I, I remember quite a few Chesterfield fans sort of Lambasting him a little bit because his contributions weren't as as um, high as they, they wished to, to him to be, and and it just it just seems as though he's really found form this season and having a great campaign. Um, finally, then on Chesterfield, will Kabongo Shimanga, another goal? I mean, he he scored three times this season. Obviously, we all know what happened, but he's yet to play in terms of minutes combined two full matches. He's on one hundred and seventy seven minutes with three goals, which is a, a sublime goal to minute ratio, but. Uh, it, it's going to be a weird season for him, isn't it? Obviously, the move to Birmingham fell through for, for what was the official line, was medical reasons. And, and I suppose he's just missed the last three games, so it's easy to see why that might be the case. But um, he's still scoring goals despite not playing a lot of minutes. And if you can use Kavango Shimanga as an impact sub, I mean, it's just it, it's, it's, you speak about Wrexham's uh, uh, riches and, and the depth in the squad, that is about as good a weapon as you can have at this level
1: yeah i think it's really impressive as well how he sort of put the move behind him got got straight to doing what mm. he, best he does best which is scoring goals and that's all you can really ask from for your from a striker right like, he's he's a player who sort of gets his head down you know that's why he's gone from obviously he was released at mk dons he, he's gone up, up the division since then boston oxford city sort of had to battle his way to get back into the national league then had that great season at bournemouth and and then obviously chesterfield have made a move from and he's the pla he's a sort of player who you define resilience, basically. He'll mm. you know, he's come back from a horror injury and he's just got straight back to scoring goals and you feel like if he lost twenty matches he will score twenty goals. And that's just how it is with Kabunda Shamanga.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's incredible and you do worry um, for the rest of the division how many goals it'll get, even though he's only playing a bit part role at the moment. Um, Right, okay, I'm going to read out the scoreline, Joel. I'm going to need to know what the actual hell happened. Dagenham and Redbridge, five, Barnet, four. You told us last week there's a bit of needle in this clash. That is about as uh, emphatic a football match as I could imagine.
2: Yeah, where do I even begin? Um, you said exactly the same, almost line, word for word, when we played Barnet in April, Dagenham 7, Barnet 3. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That dynamic really was picked up where it left off um, on Saturday. Just obscene. Barnet went 2-0 up in the space of um, three minutes midway through the half. We made it 2-2 in two minutes, two goals, bang, bang. And then in the second half... They scored, we scored, we scored, they scored. They had three massive chances to win it. They were the team who you thought would win it. We couldn't wait for the final whistle to come. Then one optimistic goal kick gets flipped on, and we're throwing goal, and we end up winning the game. It, for me, epitomises McMahon football, attacking wise. When you can score five goals, you know, four goals against Dulchinam last weekend, we've got an attack more than capable of making the playoffs, but the defence is horrific, and that's what will undermine us. Days like Saturday, you can get away with it, and it was glorious in the moment, but bigger picture, you do have to be a bit concerned because we're making the same mistakes as we did last season.
0: Yeah, it's like sort of speaking into a a dark hole, essentially, isn't it? Because it, it again is another example of how Dagenham are playing just completely unsustainable football. Five for it, it's remarkable. It, it genuinely, um, they the bring in the division a lot of entertainment, not always for good, not always for bad. Well, um, question Who finishes higher this season for you then, Dagenham or Barnet? Obviously, two teams uh sort of in the local vicinity, two teams who have been in the Football League, two teams who, uh, well, one of them had a fantastic start, one of them had a woeful start, two teams who are now separated by just a couple of points, sorry, level on points. Um, Who finishes higher?
1: The thing is with Barnet is even when they were going well, their fans were saying, "Okay, we still need a striker because the was scoring some goals, but you you need someone to put those chances in the back of the net when you're creating them. And, you know, they scored four on Saturday, so you might not think they need a striker, but they've still only got limited options up front. And, you know, they've got Cabanba, Sean Shields, but then they've got players like Daniel Powell, who's sort of been a bit of a sick note, and he hasn't really performed when he's been there. And that, that's always been the problem with Violet. They've got numerous players on the wage bill who don't cut it. And until they completely clear that, you do, you feel like they can't really achieve much in this division. And, and you know, I, I think dagnam will finish high just because they've got a, better attack and when they get going and when they start hitting form, you know, when Dagenham hit form, it's like they'll win five games, score 20 goals and concede two because it will just come. But they just need the defence to click, which is easier said than done when, you you know, you've seen McMahon playing three full-backs at centre-back. It's the sort of Gareth Southgate tactics and it doesn't work and it's not going to work against good attacks in this league, you know. Dagenham versus Solihull could end six all at this rate. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, it really could. I mean, uh, we'll we'll move on to uh, another team who who likes to score a goal and and they actually got off to a flying start um, against Scunthorpe. That's obviously Dorkin, but speaking of remarkable comebacks, Joel, 2-0 down at half-time. I think at the time they wouldn't have been bottom of the division, but they were certainly in the relegation zone, Scunthorpe. Obviously, lots and lots has been said about the issues surrounding the club. They're absolutely um, The ownership has, has absolutely driven them into the ground. Coming back to make it 3-2 is is superb character for a team who has really struggled so far this season.
2: Absolutely. And you look at their last three games, they're unbeaten in three now, which is they're slowly kind of leaning into the right direction. They salvaged a point against York as well. Let's remember with a last-minute goal, Rob App to there. And on Saturday, that was one of the the games where a crowd that has been as volatile as Scunthorpe's, understandably so, because of what they've obviously been through, at 2-0 down at half-time, you imagine that could have been quite toxic. Mm. And the team produced a fantastic comeback. It is something Dorkin have in them as well, to implode like that, to score. They can score three goals in 10 minutes, they concede three goals in 10 minutes. So, Dorkin, we'll obviously talk about them, I imagine in a different context. But for Scunthorpe, it's, it's an enormous victory that you really can see being a platform for the next few weeks to really kick on like they need to. And they go to Scunthorpe Saturday, as you alluded to earlier. So that is the definition of a six-pointer, even at this still relatively early stage.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, talking Scunthorpe this weekend, Will, that is possibly, just looking, uh, looking through it right now, the game of the weekend, I suppose, really, isn't it? That is a massive, massive fixture. And if Torquay don't get anything from that, then it's really, really troubling for them. But if if Scunthorpe manages to get three points from there, you're looking at them possibly moving outside the relegation zone, maybe even up to 19th 18th, depending on results. That is a big, big one to watch.
1: Well, the pressure's more on Torquay, you know, because it, it's their sort of pattern. And Scunthorpe are a team who have to, who have sort of improved gradually. And you feel like, until they get a manager, they're just they're just playing for this. the Ginter the interim manager at the moment. They're sort of mm. whereas Torkey just a complete sort of. <laughs> I, I can't see Torkey winning that game, and if if they do, then fair play. But I think I think that the situation there is so sort of puzzling that I think it's only a matter of time before Johnson does get the sack, because, right. or or he might walk away because it's just you can't see a solution. They're not close in games. Even even the games they've drawn, you know, the, the, the Willstone game, they were so far the, the second team in the game. It was it was it was a joke, and they got away of one. I, I just think Torquay need a massive sort of reset before they end up back in the National League South. And this time there's going to be no Gary Johnson to drag them out. Mm. And you can see it's getting to Gary Johnson because he he's sort of the man with the magic touch. You know, he it. When, when it's not been going so well, they found form and they really need to because you could get dragged away easily in this division. I mean, there's, what, five teams on at eight points at the moment or whatever. Mm. four teams on eight points and then the rest are on nine, like all the shot. And uh, so you need results to sort of bring them back into the mire. Because the other teams are picking up results. You know, Altruism won. Aldershot have won their last two home games. Scamford won. And before you know it, Torquay and Halifax are the only teams down there who at the moment can't buy a point. and And that's concerning.
0: Yeah, and and the conceding goals as well—that which is which is a, a, an almost equal problem. It's not quite on the level of Dagenham and, and Dawkins, but but they can score goals. Whereas Torquay, in front of goal, are averaging way below a goal every game. And and like you say, you know, Gary Johnson—he works absolute wonders at Yeovil. He's worked wonders at Torquay at times too. He is a fantastic manager. But he, he, he even in his post match on on Saturday, he just looked full on. He, he just looked truly fed up with the situation not necessarily through negligence but the fact that, what, what, like you say, what else can we do? Um, and obviously their season won't be defined away to and it will be defined at home to, uh, at the moment, a struggling scum for, which is, which is a massive one to watch but um, as for Darkin then, Joel, obviously Dagenham on Saturday 13th and 12th at the moment what scoreline is that going to end? It's going to be about 19-17 or something like that, isn't it?
2: It would definitely be nil-nil now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, you can hear it first, yeah. Get, but, get all the money on.
2: As I said to you um, before we started recording, the two teams this season, of the games between them, cumulatively, have featured 70 goals, which is, yeah, I mate, believe, far yeah. beyond anyone else in this division. So, two teams who are quite open at both ends of the pitch, who can freely score, but are chaotic at the back and are very open and expansive has the recipe for for a very interesting game. Dorkin have turned a corner, he appeared to turn a corner before the Scunthorpe result. It now feels like that's maybe put them a step or two back, but they've had some good results and they're more than capable of beating anyone on their day as they showcased against Notts County, so certainly going to be a tough game for ourselves.
0: Yeah, I suppose if you take three points against Notts County, you can legislate for losing away to one of the EFL relegated sides. Although, obviously, contacts with Scunthorpe means that it's a disappointing result, especially throwing two goals away. But 70 goals combined, I mean, that's an average of, of seven per match. So um, watch this space. Watch this space indeed. Um, right, OK, Bromley three, Oldham nil. It was meant to be the turning point for Alden, wasn't it, Will? Uh, Unsworth coming in as new manager, first game away to Bromley, which is your sort of your quintessential National League game. You know, if you have got to pick a first game, I remember actually um, Dave Challoner last season, I think his first home game, uh, sorry, his first league game as Stockport County manager was at home to Bromley. It isn't the one you want, is it? Because you know that they can play football, you know that they can get a result. Again, it won't be define. It won't define his era at all. It's just one game, but it's not the start you want of, of a new era, really, is it?
1: Yeah, well, Bromley's always a graveyard for these sort of national league teams. I remember mm. they got mm. there. I think it was five or six one they lost, and that was a real shot. But it sort of it, it it was almost a reality check, and I would have plenty of those. I think this was David Unsworth's first reality check. And it was one that he needed to show that his score's not good enough. And he's responded by getting in John Rooney.
0: Yeah.
1: And the the thing is, Oldham fans actually said it was a good reality check because he doesn't want to go into a score, which he knows isn't good enough, but they're performing. So it's mm-hmm. like he can't make changes to it. Whereas because because of that result, he can do what he wants now. He, he can yeah. go out and sign who he wants and he can get his squad in. And it'll be interesting to see in five games' time what's changed because David Unsworth comes with a lot of pedigree from Everton. He's taken a job on which, you know, it's, it's almost been in chalice, like and chalice over the years, but now he's got a few resources because of the new owner. And if Oldham do climb up the tail, D- David Unsworth will probably look at that problem again and be like, that was almost the turning point. That was where mm. I, I sort of saw why we are where we are.
0: Yeah, it, it does give them a mandate, really, doesn't it, going forward? You mentioned John Rooney there, Joel. Weird, weird signing for me. I'm not quite sure. Obviously, he's done it in this division a number of times, but... Stockport County were happy to let him go last season, and and it seemed as though he sort of, it. I don't know if, if he has one or two good seasons, fantastic, but it, it it could be a quick fix. It could be a case of dropping him in, lots of quality, but it seems as though it maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, I'm not too sure. What what do you think of it? I, I'm not. I'm not sure that's what they need at this moment in time.
2: I think he as a footballer is an enormous enigma, really. National League Player of the Year, two years running um, through Barrow to Stockport the first year behind closed doors. And then he sort of fell out of favour with Stockport. I think they viewed him as a bit of a luxury player. He sort of got the same treatment as, as Alex Reid did there, deemed circus mm, yeah. requirements. You know, they preferred the likes of Collar and um, the other midfielder, I'm trying to think what his name is, um, Crankshaw, they preferred that type of security in the middle, Crowsdale. And he sort of fell by the wayside, went into Barrow, a league above, which, again, demonstrates the quality of the National League when someone cannot be good enough for a National League side but come into a League Two side and make a real difference, help them stay up. And then I think Pete Wild, again, has made a similar interpretation of him that he's not quite good enough or maybe is too luxurious a player that they can afford to have in their side. for mm. so the direction Barrow are going, which is obviously a very upwards trajectory. I think they're fourth in League Two. He would definitely make Oldham better going forward. But as you say, I feel like they their priority needs to be the sort of gritty players who can get them out of a hole rather than somebody who might go missing for two games and then score a forty yarder, which is him in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, it really is. I think I was uh, I was speaking to a Stockport County fan um, just last night, actually, and, and they described him as a highlight reel player, which I think sums him yeah. up quite nicely. That sort of, you know, th- those those raking passes that might or may or may not find a, a, a player or, like you say, the, the 40-yard screamers or these lovely free kicks. And it does seem as though if you watch his game in, in one or two-minute packages, then, then it'll be a fantastic player to watch. But across 90 minutes and, and, and sort of, Week in, week out, across 90 minutes, it possibly is a little bit too far for him. Um, we'll wait and see. As for as for the next game, then, this is probably one of the the, the bigger games this weekend. Obviously, Torquay, Scunthorpe maybe the the one with the most riding on it. But Oldham versus Wrexham, two stalwarts, Will. That could be a nice game. And, and first home game for Unsworth, you know, almost a free hit. He's brought in a a new player. I don't know whether or not they'll they'll get a couple more across the line before Saturday, but it could be bouncing. It could be a tough place for Wrexham to go, and it will be a good challenge for them.
1: Well, Rooney's ex-Wrexham as well, I think, he's played for Chester, so there's a a nice sort of story there to be developed. Mm. And I think Oldham at home, they're there to make it a fortress under Unsworth, you know it just didn't happen for whatever reason, the Sheridan, they beat Dorking and then the results sort of, obviously they lost to Wheelstone and and those are the sorts of games. And people have noted the attendance is dropping off and said, look, if we don't play good football, if we don't win games, all these fans that turn up for the Dorking game, being like, oh, it's great. We've got our club back. They're not going to turn up. And it's completely understandable. Why? Because you don't want to watch your team get battered every week. Mm. So, it's a real turning point for Oldham if they can put in a spirited performance against Wrexham, you know maybe get a draw, a good game. People will come back. People will find it a good place to watch football again, and that's how you build something. You sort of put a few results together. You know you, you get a couple of draws and, and, and a win, and all of a sudden that's five points from three games, and all of a sudden you're looking up rather than down, because I would have need a, a real sort of break of this of this form that's sort of got a stretch Aaron and sacked and obviously they lost 3-0 to Bromley and it it, it needs changing and John Rooney's going to bring that X factor you know he loves the big games he'll score big goals but they need to keep him out of the other
0: end as well yeah yeah they really do it's going to be a big big task for David Unsworth right okay Joel um at what point then, for, for Halifax, do we say this is no longer an early season blip, this is this is panic stations? They lost again, back-to-back defeats, this time away to Eastley. looked like they turned the corner, a win against Scunthorpe, draw against Maidenhead, and then a victory against Gateshead. But that's again two defeats in a row. They're sitting in 22nd, they've lost six of their opening ten things are looking a little bit worrying and and, and you don't know how long the manager's got left. Obviously, new project, Pete Wilde left. It looks as though it's going to be cut short before it can really get going.
2: It is really worrying. And it's sort of a role reversal of what we've come to expect from Halifax because they've always been more than merely the sum of their parts. They've always managed to extract more from the players than perhaps you'd expect to look at them from names. This season, I think it's the opposite. I think they're not getting enough considering the players they actually have. If you look at the guy they signed from Grimsby who scored the goals in the playoffs, um, Rivway. if you look yeah. at the signings from um, Stockport County, the likes of Jamie Stott, the likes of Sam Minahan, um, the midfielder as well. I'm trying to think of his name. Terrible of names King. this morning. Um, yeah, Gilded Gilded. Gilded team. that's him. They've brought in some very good players on the surface, but it just hasn't gelled together. And Millington is acclimatizing to being a manager, but how long do you give him in that process? I don't think they're going in a positive direction at all. The Wrighton was on the wall when they didn't score in the opening four games of the season. And since then, apart from a couple of games, you know, they had a little three game on beat and where they won against Scunthorpe and, and Gateshead and you thought maybe this is the turning point. And then you go and get battered by Aldershot in a way that nobody really has. I mean, who concedes five at Aldershot? That just doesn't happen. So, yeah, I think a change is imminent for Halifax. And if it isn't, then you could be looking at relegation.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it it's disappointing for them, I suppose, isn't it, because... It's likely that they're going to have to get rid of the manager if they want to stay in the division. And, and to do so, they're going to have to turn to sort of a stalwart of the National League, you know, an experienced head who's who's dragged a team out of trouble before. And, and it almost sets that project back a little bit. They, they were so, so good under Pete Wilde. So good, you know, players who had, had not performed at other clubs coming in. He was getting the most out of them. Obviously, football changes, managers go up a division. He, he deserved that move to Barrow. And I mean, I think you mentioned it before, Joel, the fourth. But, um, as for Eastley then will that interesting side? They they had a really really good start to the season. They, they went, uh, they they lost one of the first five. They then didn't win any of their last four heading into the Halifax game. But that win takes them up to eleventh in the table, and and they've almost been sort of pardon the pun, obviously being the Spitfires, but flying under the radar a little bit. And and what can you expect from them at come the end of the season? Do you think?
1: I think to be honest I think if they finish top half they'll be very happy with that and there's no reason why they can't they keep quietly picking up points good results here and there you know they beat York uh, away and not many teams have done that this season and it's it's a real sort of team that Lee Bradbury's put together for a project which he can add to with young players you know he's got good players there already. He's brought in a few decent players to come along with that. Obviously, Charlie Carter got the goal. I'm I'm a big fan, obviously, of what he he did at Woking and how he got his moves to Chesterfield League 2 at the time. And he's a player who scores goals, picks up the pieces, and that's what he did against Halifax. And and the way they scored it was great because they sort of, Halifax, poor penalty, good save, went up the other end. Halifax are sort of reaping their sorrows, if you like, Mm. which is what they sort of switched off a bit and easily hit them. And they're they're a clever team, to be honest. And they're a team that don't get spiked about that enough because at home, they're a very, very good side. And, you know, it it was the same last season that they picked up points at home. They didn't pick up many away. And to be honest, I I feel like the playoffs is just a bit a step too far for them because they're sort of a young side coming together, developing. Being a couple of seasons, you know, they'll mm-hmm. be a playoff changing team if they keep this trajectory, if they keep these players together. And Lee Bradbury's doing a good job there.
0: Yeah, he's doing a fantastic job, so so fair play to him. Um right, okay. Let's round off then. A few more results and a few more talking points, Joel. Um Macaulay Langstaff is averaging a goal every sixty eight minutes. Who stops him? And and if if nobody can. Where does that fall into Notts County season? Have they got enough quality elsewhere to maintain a title challenge, or is it going to be another disappointing season for the Magpies? Obviously, I say that on the back of a 3 1 win, but you get the sense that it, it, the goals may not only be enough if, if they continue to sort of throw away goals a little bit cheaply. Um, worst defensive record in the top seven, Bar Solihull, who obviously shipped a few this weekend. What have you made of them after 10 games? I
2: like Notts County a lot. Um, and Langstaff, it's not always a guarantee when you have a play with that amount of goals because Ricky Miller himself, who holds the record that has been spoken about in the context of Langstaff a lot in recent weeks, he scored, I think, 41 goals or something in that bizarre region and his team didn't even make the playoffs. So, albeit that was, I think, when five teams made the playoffs. But as I say, it's not always a guarantee, but Notts County have so much quality around him, you know, Ruben Rodriguez has taken more of a backseat this season, but is influential in creating, you've got so much talent in that team that is supplying Langstaff at the minute, Langstaff isn't the sort of player you'll see score a 30-yarder, but the ammunition that he's supplied with gives him tappings, and it almost looks too easy for him, but it's through the quality around him that he's getting such opportunities, and dispatching one-on-ones as we saw against York on Saturday. So, Notts County really do have an asset there and I'm sure they'll try and protect him at all costs.
0: Yeah, yeah, quite literally at all costs. Um, well, moving on, Woking to Solihull Moors no That's a massive, massive win for Woking. It actually takes Woking into seventh in the table, just two points behind Solihull. 2-0 win against one of the, the league's top-scoring teams, I'll be pleased with
1: that. Well, I think this is the Darren soul bit of coming together now, the idea that you can keep clean sheets against the best attacks and look comfortable in a sense. Like, Sol- Solihull didn't really threaten that much. And w- Woken are a team who needs to sort out the away form. And then I think Woken will be challenging in and around the playoffs, definitely. Because it's at the moment the inconsistencies are coming away from home. You know, you look at the results so far: lost to Maidenhead, drew to Willstone, lost to Barnet. It's the sort of teams that you need to be beating or accumulating points against to to if you want to make the top seven or, or if you want to challenge for it. But you know the, the fact that people all around the attack are scoring, and you know our main striker Padre Amon hasn't even scored yet, but he's got something like six or seven assists, which shows that everyone's providing. And, and some of the mm. strong performances, like Moss at right back, keep keeping out of the likes of, you know, the, the likes of Barnett, Sabara, Well, Sabara wasn't playing, but Barnett, Osborne, Dallas, Kelly, mm. they, they, those themselves are capable enough of scoring three, four goals to win solely hold the game. But it, it's a, it's a good time to for Darren Sarton at the moment because the team's starting to come together. The defense is really strong. And if I can take some chances away from home and win some games, I, I have no doubt being being the top 10 pitcher at least.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Solly Hall-Moore, they were they, the only team from the top seven who didn't, get a result the other one being sorry who didn't get a, a points on the board Bournemouth didn't get a win but they got a point although disappointing Joel 1-1 draw away to Yeovil that's off the back of a 1-1 draw um away to Gateshead as well and and it's is it going to be those results again that cost Borum Wood? You know they're not losing games. they have lost one all season. We know they're not going to be scoring four, five, six goals every week, and that that's just not how Luke Garrard's side operate. But is it going to be those sort of scrappy dropping points away from home, or is it, or is it positives? You know, you go away from home. Your first job is not to lose. They've done that twice, but it's against two teams that they would have probably on another day expected to take three games.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one with Bournemouth. Looking at that result in isolation, they will be disappointed, even though they they did come from behind. I think if you look a bit deeper, though, Yeovil, as bad as they've been this season, they've still got a point at home to Wrexham. You know, they've still got a point at home to Chesterfield. So maybe it won't be looked at as the worst point in the world for Bournemouth. And when you assess this season as a whole, they've had another great start. So I suppose Goward will take the positives. In whichever way you can, but certainly, if you look at Yeovil away on on the fixture list, it's a game you'd expect to get three points. Chris Hargreaves is another manager who hasn't really done well in terms of reacclimatizing to management, albeit in very challenging circumstances. But now, Borum would are doing what they do, aren't they? And they're having the season they had last year before um, the Everton FA Cup game. So yeah. we're just in amazement at how goward continues to do what he does despite continually losing players. So, yeah, again, fair play to them.
0: Yeah, they, they do regenerate really well. Um, right, OK, last few results. Altrincham first win of the season. That's massive for them against Shot, who are down there as well. Another win for Gateshead as well. They've now lost one of their last four, this time beating Maidenhead away, which is a really tough place to go. So they did well there. Um, finally then, Will, that is now five games for Wheelstone without a win. The early season bubble seems to have popped, doesn't it? And, and making sure that there isn't an avalanche down the table is probably the most important thing for them.
1: Well, it's weird though because it's changed from seven games unbeaten to suddenly five games without a win. But that's that's just what most does to you.
0: Yeah,
1: and I think the idea of being hard to beat is what's going to stand will stand a good step because they're a team who haven't scored many goals, but they've dominated games, and you know. Uh, the manager said it himself at the at the um, little Q and A they did in the bar. If they could sign Langstaff, Shomaria, they'd be up there. And that that's mm. it. Like that's the piece of the. But obviously, when you don't have the finances for that, it's very hard to to almost make up for that. And, and Willstone will be absolutely fine this season, I've no doubt. But yeah, a, a game against all the shot away from home gives them the chance to show. You know, it, it, it's a place where they won last year. And you know, if they get a positive result, all will be forgotten of these so-called five games without a win, where in, in reality it's been four draws and one loss, which isn't even that bad if you're talking about bad runs. But I, I do agree, it's, it's very hard to almost get drawn up on statistics because suddenly five games without a win becomes ten and then all of a sudden you're scratching around for points. But I, I think everyone at Wheelstone realised that it wasn't going to last. Yeah. And that's why you should enjoy it while it happens, because th- there's there's no way Will Stone are going to be up there at the end of the season as much as we'd like to think that would be the case.
0: Yeah, look, I, I'm just I, I'm just here to read out the stats and all I see is five games without a win. That's that's all I'm saying. But yeah, you spot on. Um, the the. I suppose for Wheelstone the benefit of the the good start was the fact that you could almost secure your success in August, in September. That that that's sort of what they I suppose are looking at doing. And and yeah, it isn't it isn't panic stations at all. They're sitting in eighth after ten games, which is which is remarkable. Um right, okay, we'll be back after a very short break to discuss some more news about streaming in the National League and the lifting of the embargo. Right, OK then. Uh, big news from the National League this week, Joel. Finally, to much uh, to, to much desire from the clubs and the supporters, the National League decided to say yes to moving the embargo on football highlights, on match highlights forward, meaning that clubs can can publish their, their own highlights earlier. It's, it's common sense prevailing, which in this league doesn't always happen a lot, but it's good news nonetheless.
2: Very good news. I thought the embargo in the first place, while obviously in there to to protect BT Sport's rights, I thought it was almost self-detrimental because Saturday and Sunday is that peak window where interest after the game is at its optimum. You know, look at the game I went to Saturday, Dagnum 5, Barnet 4. Not only Dagnum and Barnet fans, maybe not Barnet fans, but not only Dagnum fans would have wanted to watch them highlights. I remember when Wrexham played Dover, we actually made the point, I think you did, that the amount of interest in that game would have subsided by Monday when it's sort of been digested. But Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon is when people will want to watch them highlight. So the National League was des- denying itself good publicity. You know, Saturday night, teams could share the goals and, you know, they'd be retweeted by people mm. beyond non league. So it's really good. It's really good. And hopefully it sets a precedent whereby. You can continue lobbying things. I think free up, free down is one that might be a yeah. little more ambitious, but that's probably next on the agenda in terms of enacting change at this level. And obviously, it's almost synonymous with the streaming, really, that Wrexham have been been lobbying for a while, and, and they certainly got busy again in the week with another yeah. statement, didn't they? So yeah, an interesting um, few days in terms of like legislation at this level.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll cover the Wrexham statement uh, shortly, but I'll just read out what the National League had to say on the embargo issue. They said yesterday, BT Sport confirmed that they are in agreement for the restriction to be amended so that clubs can upload their highlights immediately following the BT Sport National League highlight show rather than the current restriction which is of course midnight on sunday evening whilst the timing of the bt sport highlight show may vary they're typically scheduled at 10 p.m finishing at 10 30 with this being the case for the forthcoming week should there not be any weekend highlight show highlights can be upload highlights cannot be uploaded sorry until after the blackout in accordance with article 48 which is of course the the 3 p.m blackout so around i think it's quarter to 6 5 45 is, is usually what it runs through. oh no sorry that's completely wrong um but it's Around five o'clock. Um. So, so obviously Saturday evening, clubs will be able to do it if there's no highlight show. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm. Suppose I'm not going to get any dissenting voices from you in terms of saying this is a completely bad idea because it's not. It, it was nonsensical in the first place. It's just good to see that they've seen common sense and they've gone. Yeah. yeah you know what clubs wanted this. Here you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, exactly. And, and you see the instant impact was on Saturday night when Notts County posted the free hit by Kevin Castro. And by the morning it had about 5,000 likes on not only Notts County channels, but you know, you've got all the big sort of pages on Twitter, like footy accumulator, sport Bible, mm. they're all sort of on the bandwagon. Whereas if you post it on Monday, everything passed. Like we've seen 50 goals from like the Isthmian league that they've just been able to share. Uh, and yeah. it's like all, all the sort of ones that, you know, if someone scored a scorpion kick, for example, and we didn't get to see it until Monday morning, then the, the whole fee interest has gone by then, right? Yeah, it's great and all, but it's got to be like, in, in the world of social media, it's got to be instant. And I think the great idea is for Tuesday night games when there's no highlight show, you can mm. show straight away. So, for example, if, if I don't know, if, if Paul McCallum scored a scorpion kick, Dagenham could go <laughs> after five minutes, they could go... oh. When it gets to half time, let's get the footage. Let's put it up. Bang! Oh my word, Paul McCallum for the but for the Push Gas Award, and then all of a sudden, Paul McCallum's thing is it retweeted by FIFA and everything. You saw it with the Eli Sam goal in the FA Trophy, and there's there's no rights as, as to after the game what you can't can and can't post for that. And Eli Sam scored a scorpion kick, I think it was, and and obviously the, the FIFA retweeted it, and all of a sudden it went viral. Now the mm. reason you got for the national league was pretty much absurd, and I just, I, I'm just glad they've seen through it and realised that you know we need as much focus on the league as possible, considering how big it is worldwide now because of Wrexham, and not only because of Wrexham but because the entire documentary like people are seeing these teams and being like okay this is quite interesting the the, the Dawking series and everything but people are taking interest into non-league football especially mm. when the Premier League is more sort of disconnected than ever. And people are, you know, the result is people going down to their non-league clubs and being like, "Oh, it's not just Park Standard, after all."
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just worried about your, your Paul McCallum fantasy. That because you seem to have really laid that out quite well. Uh, <laughs> that scorpion kicking well, being... him. Paul McCallum
1: does a scorpion kick now. Yeah, I will be yeah. This the, the, the prophecy.
0: Yeah, pariah. Um, but yeah, you're spot on. I mean, there's so many eyes. And it wasn't even just this season, last season as well. You know, Stockport County was spending big. They're bringing in EFL League One players. Anthony Sarsovic ditched Bolton. I, I know there was a sort of underlying problem there, but you dropped down into the National League. BT Sport do an unbelievably good job at getting eyes on the National League. It's better than League One. It's better than League Two. Obviously, Sky Sports have the rights there. But they do such a good job. It just felt like this was... It, who did it benefit, Joel? Can, can, can you sort of do the, the devil's advocate? Who who was in charge of saying, yes, this is a good idea? Because as Will mentions there, if it's in accordance with the league, if the league and BT Sport go, you know what, yeah, this is a good thing. Because if you see a good goal on the weekend, you see Notts County score a good goal, or you see York score a worldie, or you see, you know, what, whatever club it may be, and you see them advertise for the televised game on BT Sport, you go, oh, I might stick that on instead of... I don't know, Aston Villa versus Brighton on Sky Sports or Sheffield United versus um, Reading on, on, in the Championship. You know, it it could and it should, especially with the documentary that uh, Wrexham have produced, which is fantastic. I'll, I'll echo it again. These it, it doesn't just have to be Wrexham. It doesn't just have to be Notts County who benefit from more eyes on the National League. Wheelstone can have it. Barnet can have it. Dagenham can have it. You know, these clubs, all part of this league, all part of this institution, have to be pulling in the same direction and that involves those in the boardroom as well
2: I can only theorise that it was in place firstly to protect the exclusivity of of BT Sport Mm. even though the rule obviously predated their coverage of the National League and also so media teams and clubs could have almost uniformity in bringing it out at the same time simultaneously and it gives them a bit extra time to, you know, attach commentary to the highlights, to edit, which obviously I imagine is quite a meticulous, uh, almost painstaking process. So I can just imagine that it was to stop certain teams bringing it out at this time and then other teams four hours later and just preventing that kind of chaos. But these days, teams will probably be sitting on that footage ready to hit publish right until Sunday night, midnight, 10pm, mm. whenever the, the blackout was. So it was very outdated and it was great I'll just on Sunday to get a notification on my phone, highlights Dagnam v Barnett just when the appetite was still there. You know, as we mm. say, Monday, people go back to work, all of a sudden the rigour of normal life continues and the weekend's over and all of a sudden the enthusiasm wanes a bit. But now, when the highlights are published, still during the weekend, it almost keeps that optimism and keeps that entertainment alive within people. So it's really good and it'll have an enormous impact on how supporters kind of kind of cover things as well.
0: Yeah, and especially you mentioned that if they're being published on Monday, if there's a Tuesday game, then yeah. what's the point, essentially? What's the point? You have a window of 24 hours, if not less, to, to get these properly viewed. And, and it, it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. I suppose for me, Will, going forward, and obviously you have a little bit of experience in this with, you, with your current role, but I'm excited to see how how clubs in the National League um, adopt this, how they sort of take it into stride. Because there are a lot of fantastic, creative young people in and around National League clubs. And I just feel as though all clubs have to be sort of Getting, it's not, it's not even a bandwagon. It, it's just an evolution, I suppose, because the football league has been at this stage for so long. Obviously, their their rules are different, and one of them being streaming, which we'll touch on slightly in a minute. But I just feel as though if this is going to succeed, clubs have to take a an onus now, and they have to sort of. They have to treat media personnel with a little bit of respect. So, you know, ideally, you would have paid roles and, and, and for, on the majority of part. I know some are, some aren't, and it depends on budgets and whatnot. But just the professionalisation of it, it, it's a big opportunity here for clubs, isn't it? And if they can get it right, there's nothing to say that the national league can't continue to grow.
1: Well, it's, it's almost like all, all the teams in the conference, South and North, for example the National League do their little thing where they put out the goals on on their old highlights. They used to do this all the time. They'd be like, oh, Ebbsfleet scored this goal on the weekend. Have a look at this on Tuesday night. And it's like, it's an hour before Ebbsfleet's next game. <laughs> Why would yeah. I want to watch them score a goal from Saturday? And it, yeah. it's almost as if it's like the immediacy has to be a lot better. If it's like people being at the games, people coming home from the games and being like, oh, I really want to see... You know, James Daly's volley is the top goal. I really want to see that again. And it's like a lot of people have been beaten to it by a lot of vloggers and stuff. That, that's why a mm. lot of vloggers get really views because, you know, the Wrexham ones and stuff, because they get the goals before anyone else. And all, all of a sudden, they, and that's what the league didn't like. And that's why they try to sort of, you know, shut down a few of them or tell them, mm. you know, you can only see it in Because the fan view as well is so good because you can see the crowd. You can almost relive the moment completely. Whereas the National mm. League sport want you to almost their footage, you know they show it when they want, which is like okay, so we, we're an hour before Maidenhead versus I don't know Maidenhead versus shot televised game. Here are some of the goals from the weekend. It's like they show two or three. It's like oh, have mm. a look at this one. it's like if you've just been to the game and you want to see, and you have to wait until Monday to see that goal, and it just takes the excitement away, like. I mean, it was it was almost like when I was in sixth form and working would have won a game and you have to wait until we get into sixth form Monday to get on the computers and watch <laughs> the highlights. It's, it's almost... It was delaying it for no reason. Well, yeah. Especially, yeah, for North and South Club, especially for North and South Clubs, where BT didn't even use that footage. So I'm just glad they've almost cleared that up now. So that, you yeah. know, for example, if, if Leamington score a Worldie, they don't have to wait till Monday for no apparent reason because the National League are never going to show it on BT Sport because it's not the National League, it's the National League North. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and almost the, if, if you get an instant, especially in the international break as well, when everyone's begging for football, you know, the sort of debates that get started on, on Twitter and stuff are just completely rubbish because mm. people are bored. And you get, oh, my word, Oxford City have scored an absolute worldie. Everyone's going to watch it, and everyone's going to be like, wow. I miss football for that one week
0: mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um right, okay, we'll we'll touch on a little a little bit of streaming before we get out of here. Obviously we covered this last week, but um there's been an update, hasn't there, Joel? One that I don't think you received particularly well and, and you're not alone at it. But it was a statement from Wrexham and, and to cut a long story short, they were essentially telling the National League to, to get on with things really, weren't they? And they they weren't happy with the time frame that they'd given. Um obviously. It was a little bit ambiguous in the original statement from the national league saying come halfway point of the season, which obviously arbitrary, meaning you know halfway through the games, but it could be is that the date is that whatever. There wasn't a sort of fixed schedule for the introduction of streaming, which I think is what Wrexham were upset about. But some people saw that as a case of some sort of, I don't know, sticking their head above the parapet and saying, you know what, we're bigger than the rest of the clubs in this league. It should happen now, blah, blah, blah. What did you make of it? How did you interpret it?
2: I thought there was no need to really put a statement out because they'd already done what they wanted to do. They'd already got the outcome that they wanted, which ultimately benefits them more than anybody else, however which way you look at it. Hmm. You didn't see the necessity for a statement. I mean, you can see the clarification. Fair enough, the original National League statement didn't really go into enough depth of detail for clubs like Wrexham. But you can do that behind closed doors. You can seek guidance on when when will this be able to be enacted, when will this be able to happen. But putting a statement out, I just felt was designed to evoke frustration towards the league and sort of get, not abuse, but... Was designed to convey the league in a bad light when the league have actually, in this case, been progressive and agreed to what Wrexham were an enormous stakeholder in proposing. So while Wrexham are entitled to do what they want and their idea, let's not play down how important they've been in this. I don't think it would have happened were it a club like Maidenhead, who initially kind of started the the um, the clamour for um, streaming Wrexham, obviously, have taken advantage of their stature there in a good way. But, as I say, the statement, the latest one, I didn't see any real need for or what it achieved, to be honest
0: yeah to paraphrase this is essentially what they said they, they, they said that Wrexham have made it clear that they would donate any profit made from streaming of games to the National League for them to distribute um, sort of equally within the clubs we want to grow our fan base on the back of our documentary Welcome to Rexel, uh, Re- Rexel? Welcome to Wrexham it is not for financial gain while growing the fan base is clearly our motivation the National League and the clubs in the competition would also benefit from the exposure which is something I've actually mentioned a couple of times um, now the decision to stream games has been made it makes a decision to prevent the club from streaming home games in the interim period even more confusing as the, the the structure in place at Wrexham is as good as or at least equivalent in terms of the stream quality and security of any centralized streaming solution that will be delivered a lot of words in there Will but essentially it's saying that they want to get on with it now personally I do don't know if I have an issue with it. Um, I can see where Joel's coming from. It that there was a, a touch of a right. Okay, you know, we've got a stature we want to use it, which I, I think is kind of fair enough. You know, it. I don't. I don't know if there has to be a sort of a, a wider um, a sort of deference to the rest of the clubs in the National League. Wrexham aren't going to be here forever. They could get promoted this year, and, and suddenly the National League is going. Oh wait a minute, we've lost our sort of our quote unquote prized asset. those eyes are now going to disappear somewhat I don't know if I have an issue with them wanting to stream games internationally speaking domestically is a completely different issue but internationally I'm not sure I have a problem with streaming games I don't know what you made of that statement
1: well I think what they're basically saying is look if we get promoted this year and we've only been able to stream 10 of our games and we're sharing all the revenue between all the teams in the league they're going to get less money so it's like, yeah. if, if there's really serious on all these teams sort of getting a, a share of the pot, they're saying, if we do it now, look, if, if we get promoted, we've still got 20, 25 games sort of for everyone to stream, you know, and they get more money out of it because the appeal will almost diminish when Wrexham go down, go up, which isn't exactly the case because teams will come down with, mm. you know, revenue streams and everything. And it's, it's almost... Wrexham almost trying to tell the league to hurry up, which is fair enough because it shouldn't really take that long for them to come to a solution. When you look at how long it took the National League to get a sponsor for NFTs, which nobody wants or needs right now, (laughs) which took about two months, which was like, and, you know, another thing about the National League as well is, like, the directors, are there's a few who their teams almost absolutely detest, like Shahid Azim at Aldershot, Scott Priestley Mm. at the Oval we absolutely nowhere near running this, this, the league as it is because both their teams could actually drop down to the National League South and it would be all their fault. And mm. it's, it's almost the league of almost being a bit lackadaisical, if you know, that's a big word, but it, it, if you like, because they're almost saying, oh, look, we'll get this done, but, you know, we've got priorities, you know, we've got an NFT sponsor, we need, we need a kebab shop sponsor, we need all of this before we go to streaming. And it just shows almost how the league's run, you know. And it, it's a yeah. shame because Rexham is going to do something good for the rest of the league and they don't have to donate their stream revenue. Like, what, why should they? Mm. They're doing it is a nice thing, but we, we've been here for long enough. You've all, all been involved in the documentary, Have Your Rights and stuff. I, I think Rexham are trying to do the right thing here and people are going to have a go at them just because it's Rexham and they've got loads of power and money, etc., etc. But, No, it's nice to see that they're not forgetting their roots, pretty much.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there was that thread, wasn't there, at the end of last season from Tom Cullen, uh, formerly involved director at, at Dulwich Hamlet, and it was at the National League's annual dinner, and, and it felt like something out of 1940s Britain in the sense. That's what he said. You know, it was it was like being at the last night of the uh, of the proms. Whereas we're in a modern day age, and and it does feel as though they do drag the heels a little bit. Granted, it is still non-league. I think that's sort of needing to be reiterated. There are clubs in here who are traditionally non-league clubs. They are not all ex-football league stalwarts but it does feel as though this is a story that is not going to go away so we'll we'll discuss it plenty coming uh in the coming weeks um joel it's been an absolute pleasure what's up what's on the cards for you this week uh, uh docking dagenham is that going to be another 19 19 19 are, are we going to see another high scorer you're going, you going to be okay do you need assistance to the ground or, or will you be able to cope?
2: <laughs> well it's going to be an interesting one for sure and um I've got to get there despite there being no trains due to the rail strike, so um, that's good. And then on Tuesday night, I've got an hour to get from university to King's Cross for a train to Chesterfield, so it's going to be a test in few days, but hopefully by the time we next convene, I've got six points to joyfully tell you about.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Will, which of your two clubs are you supporting this weekend? I haven't
1: all the shots here. Um, with Wheelstone, so that that should be good. Obviously, a, a bit more riding than that one because it's all a shot, and because I never see mm. my team win
0: there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the benefits of that, too. So, yeah. yeah. Did you not fancy yeah, the trip exactly. up north to uh, to Halifax then? Was it not something you you liked to You didn't want to? You didn't want to scrub it up with us Northerners?
1: Well, I, I did it last year, and it was great to be honest but obviously, rolls well, come calling. So
0: yeah, yeah. Ever the consummate professional. Um, Right, okay. We'll call it a day there, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Hit subscribe, follow on your podcast platform. We're back every week with with more National League news. Um, I've been Amos Murphy. This has been the Non-League Podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. And until next time, I'll see you later.